Lady returns to the podcast today to finish her story. Only two days have passed since her mom's death, and she is filing for legal guardianship of her two younger sisters. In the almost six years since then, Lady is learning how to be both sister and guardian to her siblings. She has reached a place where she is finally able to allow herself to grieve, and she has a lot of wisdom to share. If you are enjoying the podcast, can you please leave a rating and review? I'd really appreciate it. And now, Lady's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have Lady with me again. Um, This is part two of her story, so if you have not listened to part one yet, I encourage you to hit pause and go back and listen to her podcast that was released the week before this one, Um, because today will not make any sense to you, probably, if you don't listen to part one. It's definitely a big part of her story, Um, Lady's story has a lot of detail to it so we decided breaking it up into two parts would be um, the best option so she's back today to share part two of her story which is basically now from the time of your mom's passing to all of the things that have happened to you in the past it will be six years years. in April right yeah so almost six years her journey um, since that time so Lady, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and let you finish your story. And then, you know, I'll be back at again at the end. So thanks for coming back today. I was kind of worried that she was going to be like, forget this. (laughs) (laughs) This is too much. Uh, But she's here. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate this so much. I like the fact that I, that I'm, that I'm able to do this, first of all, because maybe two years ago me would not have been able to <laughs> um okay where do I start was it I forgot where I left off but directly after um the filing of guardianship for my sisters two days after my mom died um that was a big it was a big shift because not only was I filing for guardianship but it was also supposed to be my last two years of my senior year so everyone was going back to school and I was dealing with the loss and um, the tragic murder of my mom. So I didn't go back to school. I also had a job where I worked a lot. (laughs) I worked most days. I stopped going to work. I stopped going to school. I was locked in my grandmother's room unless I had to go to court Um, and I could not be at my mom's house. Where Where we all lived, I could not be there. So we were all staying at my grandmother's house and it was a good two months of going to court to fight for my sister. The, the smaller one, it wasn't that hard um, because she was smaller and my mom was the only one on the birth certificate. So it was just a matter of getting all the paperwork and documents signed. But for my, for the older one, she was eight and lawyers were hired (laughs) court dates were attended it was insane and it was like a flip of the switch whoever I was before to whoever I was in that moment like I was just trying to get everything done I was not thinking about grieving I was not thinking about my mom I was just thinking about the repercussions of her death and what I needed to do to fix everything 
and sorry. <laughs> um, it was hard because I was 18 and I had to watch all my friends um, basically enjoy their last two, two months of high school, which is the only months that I was supposed to enjoy. High school was really hard for me. And go prom dress shopping and it's all little stupid things that I just can't do again. I just can't take back because I just didn't do them because I, I, I just hated the fact that I was alive and my mom wasn't. And to add um, insult to injury, I had a bunch of uh, news reporters and people coming after me, texting me, calling me, harassing me in front of my house, in front of my grandma's house. They wanted me to speak in front of cameras um, and tell them what happened, even though I was just as confused as everyone else. And they just wouldn't stop harassing me until one day I went to the place where she was killed um, with some of her friends. And then the camera just went in front of me and started recording and asking questions. And I, I felt harassed all those months. I hate how reporters don't care about what families are feeling and they just go after the next news article or video. And every time I see one of these videos or, or, or something online or let's say a crime that just happened or tragic incident that just happened and I see family speaking in front of a camera, I just think like, wow, like they shouldn't be speaking in front of a camera, but I know that we're forced to be there. And even if they wanted or thought they wanted to be there, they should have been left on their own privacy to grieve by themselves. But I wasn't given that. <laughs> even a child. so there's a video out there of me screaming and crying into a camera in one of the worst moments in my life if not the worst moment in my life and I wish that didn't exist especially since I would try to hide my mom's death from my sisters for as long as I could since they were so small I had to pull them from school because children because of the news were telling my the eight-year-old like we know your mom was shot and she was eight so I was, I had to pull them from school. <sighs> it, it was, it's a, such a small town. So everyone was talking, even the clinic. Um, what is HIPAA? Everyone, <laughs> everyone was talking about, it, 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 it was just insane. And I don't know where, like two weeks after she died, they tell me like, oh, you need to have a funeral. Like at this point, I didn't even think about the funeral and <laughs> and you can't even though I tried you can't google how to plan a funeral maybe now you can back then I don't it, it wasn't anyway um you can't google how to decorate a, a gravestone you can't google how to design one it's just it was just not on google back then hopefully it is out there now because those things we are not taught we just figure it out uh, when it happens and it's tough. I remember taking the transit bus to go to the mall because my mom was my ride. My mom was my the person who fed me, the person who clothed me, the person who paid the bills, who brought me to work, who brought me to school, and that person was gone. So I had to plan this funeral by myself and take the bus 
and take Ubers and um, wherever the bus could take me, had a place where I could plan this funeral. I bought her outfit at the mall and the ride back on the bus was horrible. I took the bus to the funeral home to give him her, her outfit. I hated the smell of funeral homes. I, that smell haunted me for so long. <laughs> Um, like everything I ate smelled like that, so I just didn't eat for so long. <laughs> I hate, I and I hate how like I don't I don't know maybe I just hated everything and that's just my experience. But I hate how chill they were, like the people at the funeral home, and in in some kind of twisted way, um, not twisted way, but like. I don't know how, because I don't really remember how I put it together, but I planned the funeral. And the funeral happened uh, two days, two days before my sister's birthday, her ninth, her nine year old, her ninth birthday. And it wasn't until the day of the funeral that it like, fell on me that my mom was gone. When I walked into the funeral home and I, I saw her body, I, I don't I don't know who can relate, but I, I feel like I feel like I every like little piece of like hope and happiness and like and like I don't even know how to explain it. It just like died. <laughs> it was dead. At that moment, at least, it, I and I just screamed because this like death is so insane to me. <laughs> and you go from this person that was just smiling and happy and talking to you and everything, and now they're laying in a coffin. And it was a sight that I I never thought I was gonna see. I I never I it, I just had never experienced that before that and for me to experience my mom's death of my first death was just traumatizing obviously and I didn't leave her side the whole day I feel like the worst thing was the burial um when they lower when they lower the body and I mean, still to this day, I go to the cemetery and I'm, I'm just, uh, it's hard to comprehend that, like my favorite person and my best friend is, is there. And I, I, sometimes I think that she's gonna walk through the door. Still, <laughs> no, that's not gonna happen. But it didn't. I was so focused on getting everything done that I, I didn't think about it until I seen her body. And then I felt such guilt. I felt guilt for wanting to leave, for wanting to go to college. I felt guilt for, for not being there with her. I'm sure like, like everyone can like, or a lot of people can really done. Like, I wish I could have protected her. I wish. I just, all these things went through my head that I'm, it just, it was so angering and unfair. And that now I had to deal with the aftermath and everything that came with that.
I, I was I was just really angry at life for a long time that this was the card that I was dealt and maybe a little piece of me is still angry at life <laughs> but um I guess I'm able to talk about it now because it's been long enough that I have worked on myself and gotten help and still getting help, <laughs> still working on myself, still um, raising my sisters. And from then till now, we've gone through everything and back. <laughs> I still went to college in Seattle, but I had to... I had to leave like two years afterwards because I try to be superwoman and I I should have given myself more grace. <laughs> I try to become a parent to two kids and a wife and a full-time student and work full-time all at once. And I, I wish someone just sat me down and said like, you don't need to do all of this for your mom to be proud because I genuinely was doing it for her. I genuinely felt like I had to be this perfect human to make up for how much I failed my mom because that's how I felt for so long. Um, and obviously uh, I can't, I couldn't do anything about the fact that she was gone, but I, I could, take care of my sisters to the best of my ability. And, and that, that that became my motive and that became my goal. Um, and in a big way, I, I, I needed those girls more, more than they needed me at, at, at first. Because I don't know if I would have been alive was it not for that judge granting me guardianship of my sisters and letting us stay together. And it, it was... <laughs> It's been three of us against the world. <laughs> um, I thankfully got divorced from that abusive man <laughs> eventually. Uh, that was a journey in itself. I feel like if my mom was alive, she would have been able to point it out that I shouldn't have done the marriage, but you know. <laughs> um, I moved back to Massachusetts. I needed help and I finally admitted that to myself that I needed help and that I, I never had in my own life. I never thought for myself and my sisters deserved me to be okay for them to have a better parent. Um, and all of those things came with me dealing with my breakup. I felt more like a breakup than a divorce. <laughs> um, all those things with me dealing with my breakup, um, moving back was a lot from Seattle to Boston. It's a long way. <laughs> um, and just letting myself be vulnerable and how do you say it? Just, I, I let myself be sad when I moved back. I let myself, I, maybe like I didn't have to put on this like strong face for, for my sisters. Like I didn't have to do that. And that's when I started grieving. That's when it all hit me. When I moved back 
when I didn't run away from it. Another reason why I moved to Seattle was to run away from here. But when I moved back and all the memories rushed back and I went to see her more often, like it dawned on me like, okay, my mom is gone and I haven't thought about it since I moved to Seattle. I wasn't allowed to think about it over there. And now I'm on my own and it all came at me at once. And then COVID happened. So I really had time to think about it. <laughs> I really had time to think about it and cry about it and feel and not heal, but just be angry. And my mom always had a relationship with God and and instilled that in me. And after she died, I hated God <laughs> uh, very strongly. And but I still talk to him because that's how my mom raised me. I, I, prayer was like talking to him. And so I would go to church, sit in the back, and tell him that I'm here because I want to be here, but I don't want to get up. <laughs> and that's how I was for like two years. Um, until COVID happened, I sat down and I started watching online church because of COVID. And it really, it really helped me since at that point, because of my divorce, I couldn't afford a therapist. It really helped me find um, or understand things about my mom's dad that I guess I, I, I didn't want to accept before. I don't want to say understand because it really doesn't make sense. And I want to, I, I mean more like, how do you word that? <laughs> like it wasn't God's fault. I could blame God for it. Um, I could blame myself. I could blame X, Y, and Z, and, and the people who put her in that parking lot that day, and whoever was with her, and, and I was blaming everyone, and all that anger in my heart wasn't letting me work on myself or, or my healing, so I just, most, most of that hatred I let go, most of that anger, sometimes I still feel it, and I feel like that's normal, but I wasn't holding on to it. And especially for the guy who killed her, who hasn't gone to trial yet, allegedly killed her. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, um, I don't feel hatred for him. I just want him to stay in there. I don't want to see him. I don't like seeing him. It hurts that some people make take some decisions that ruin life forever because from then till now I have healed I'm not in therapy and um did I say I healed no I'm healing <laughs> I'm not in therapy I am an antidepressant my family has been deeply affected by my mom's death and I've suffered a lot financially I've suffered a lot relationship-wise and my sisters have suffered a lot and it was I'm sure some parents who who lost their spouse or 
I don't know, people who can, who have kids who become like their own kids can understand that when my mom passed away for me, it took me on this journey that it was my journey. But let's say a two-year-old, her journey didn't start until she was like five and a half. And that's when she realized her mom was dead. And she also was depressed. A five-year-old, which it just makes me. And the 14-year-old now, she's had to deal with her own battles. And she had to find out from the internet how her mom died as well. The internet, which I tried to hide from her for so long. But then one day, I was a teacher had them look up their parents' names. <laughs> and I'm not laughing. It just, I was so angry because why? 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 Um, and she had to find out that way in eighth grade. And she was really, really upset with me. Uh, now she understands I was trying to protect her from social media and it's a journey I know that every stage and every age that they turn their grief is going to be different and now um, we are in organizations that help grieving children we did find people um, we found an organization that helps grieving uh, girls and boys who lost their parents um, I don't know if I could mention that um, okay, empower her, <laughs> empower her. Uh, they help young girls. They just expanded to boys as well and non-binary children who lost their parents every Mother's Day. And I'm guessing every Father's Day. For my experience, every Mother's Day, we have a retreat. And for the past few years, we've been uh, spending Mother's Day with them. And it's been very refreshing since Mother's Day was very excruciating. <laughs> I hate seeing people with moms. And, <laughs> and I love meeting people who don't have a mom, as bad as that sounds. I just love meeting people who can, who understand that I, we, we don't have the one person who we should have. <laughs> and that's it. Um, so I love that I met this organization um they also match you with a mentor who also lost their mom it's pretty cool and i've also read or started reading uh grief books started listening to grief podcasts which is how i got here <laughs> and just really trying to understand and learn what i feel and validate a lot of my feelings that i've had throughout the years and i'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life because i'm I'm going to be sad for the rest of my life. I feel like since I just started grieving my mom two years ago, and like in like devoting myself to really feel everything, um, I feel like it's going to take a little bit um, to really not like feel debilitated by it because there is days where like I still have my terrors and really like i just i can't even function sometimes <laughs> because 
like I said, she was my best friend. And I have to do life without her. And that sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Um, and I wish she, she met all the wonderful people I've met. I wish she gotten the help financially that I've gotten the past few years. And I wish, um, I wish she could see her daughters grow up because they're really, really amazing little girls. And they're doing really good. <laughs> but I know I'm going to need a lot of therapy and, and love and um, compassion along the way. And I hope to provide that for them forever, <laughs> forever, forever. <laughs> and uh, I think that's all for now, if I, if I remember. Well, you're saying that her her little daughters are doing good, but so is her big daughter. You, <laughs> I, you, throw, you use the word grace a lot, and I hope you continue to give yourself grace because what you're doing is is ama amazing and tremendous i mean if people went back and listened to episode one the fact that you immediately went to get guardianship of your sisters is amazing um and so not only are you trying to take care of yourself you're trying to now be a mom to your two sisters and also facilitate their own grief journeys so that's you know you're not just taking care of yourself you're taking care of three daughters without moms so um <laughs> yeah and it's it's, um, it's, a, it's it's like a little difficult especially with the little one like I mentioned in the last episode like I've been with her since day one so um it's hard sometimes she will call me mommy and sometimes she'll be like your sister mom you're not mommy and I just respect her, her whatever she wants to call me but it's hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. I bet she does feel like a daughter. Yeah. Yes, yes, she does. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Um, did you take them with you when you went to Seattle? Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. That, there was a lot of uh, backlash against that, but I really was like, I'm not gonna quit college. And I'm not going to quit my sisters. So here we go. <laughs> I'm impressed you lasted two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, barely. Oh, my God. I mean, Seattle is a beautiful state. It's just, I was with really horrible people. <laughs> so, um, but it's a beautiful state. And I want to visit again. It was. It, it was a learning experience of how to be just in my own little bubble with them. But then I couldn't just stay there forever. Uh, I had to face face my fears. <laughs> I didn't have to, but I, I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure you learned a lot from that because being away from, I mean, I understand that you, you know, were kind of running away from everything that was, had happened in Massachusetts, but to go to a place with, you know, with no family and no friends and no support, you know, into a marriage that you didn't really know, you know, was actually going to happen because your mom died the day before the paperwork was done. Like, I mean, there's just so much to unpack in that, <laughs> that, you know, 
And you were what, 18? 18. I was yeah. a, a month a month into my 18th birthday. Like, it was so crazy. <laughs> you know, it's going to be interesting for you. Like when you're, when the middle, you're, you're the older sister gets to be the age 18, you're going to look at her and you're going to be like, how did I do the things I did? I, am I mean, ready. you're probably already doing it yeah, yeah, at 23, yeah. I, right? Uh, I have met, um, so she has many friends and older sisters who are 20, 18, 21. And they're little, like, I look at, I know I'm 23, but I look at them and I'm like, I was a child. Like, I understand when people, especially when the custody battle was happening, I remember the judge, like, being, like, scared to give me the, the girls. And I was like, how can you not give it to them? Like, I'm mature enough, like. But now I think back and I'm like, yeah, I was a kid. <laughs> and that's part of the healing process that I've had to understand is, is I was a child and I thought that I was this adult person. So now I'm 23 and I seen a post on Instagram talking about now I'm, uh, now, now I'm, an, I'm an adult, but because I was forced to grow up when I was little, but that child development that I should have had it didn't happen. So I, now I'm just stuck in this age where yeah. I don't feel an identity, truly. <laughs> I'm just going with emotions and seeing what happens. And that's how I feel. But I, yeah, when Kiara's 18, she's going to see. <laughs> she's going to see it too. She's going to be like, how? <laughs> yeah. How did you I'm do that? To, yeah. But I'm trying to set the groundwork so she never feels like she has to take on responsibilities. <laughs> that she doesn't have to I don't want her to live my life <laughs> that is interesting because that is one of the things I wrote down to ask you like what what are what have you learned so far that you because a lot of the things like I mean it's not it's not with your mom anymore but you still had your 18 years with her you know the things that you do like traditions and things that you do want to carry on and the things you go oh no I'm don't want that to be you know part of what I I mean I'm, I'm like acting like she's your they're your daughters you are their guardian so but like what are the what are the things that you've learned that you're like okay I I feel like I want to talk to them about this so that it can help them in their own journeys well mostly for the older one since I can have more conversations with her now that she's about to be 15 it's still in her that even though I'm her friend, um, that's not it. Like I'm her parent and I will be strict if I need to be. And if I am strict, I explain to her why. A lot of the time I was growing up, my mom was strict and I never understood why. I just thought she hated me and didn't want me to see anyone. <laughs> I understand why now, but I, I, so I try to be different with my sister and, um, and also have to understand that I'm trying to switch between sister and, and and guardian back and forth and when when I'm sister and when I'm guardian and what that means <laughs> also have her um I really try to instill trust in our relationship um and her sisterhood <laughs> see if she if she likes any boys or if she has any issues with girls like for her to be open with me and I'm most a lot of the things that I did for my mom was a lot because of the culture shock and because she wouldn't understand my American issues, like American high school issues versus 
what she grew up in. It was very traditional. And I don't know. I feel like I've also learned to give my mom a lot of grace because even though I was really angry uh, when I was a teenager (laughs) and how some things might have been handled and the responsibility she put on me, she really did uh, the best that she could do with what she knew and what she had. And I, I have to come to those terms with myself since I can't have a conversation with her. But I wish, or sometimes I just say it to the air, see if she listens. Um, I'm sorry for being so hard on her. And because she really did just have me. So, and she didn't know how to get help to be more self-sufficient. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to change. Me and myself and I get help. So I'm self-sufficient. So I don't need to rely on my sisters. I don't need to rely on my daughters. And so that they don't feel like they owe me their life. (laughs) You live for yourselves and I'll be here in case you need me. Like that's, that's what I try to do to the best of my ability. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's super important, especially in this day and age with social media and everything that you talked about. It's so hard for kids to develop a sense of self um, because there's, so many conflicting stories and so many different, you know, things that they're exposed to out there. Um, I've been reading a lot about this. It's called like respectful parenting, like that you teach them things and that you, you know, you don't allow them to do like whatever they want to do, but you do respect their individuality. You know, you don't try to live vicariously through them. You don't want to try to be like, oh my gosh, I was almost a great volleyball player. So you are going to be a great guy. You know what I mean? Like those kind of things, you know? Um, well, like, I, well I, yeah, I feel like parenting is a lot of like learning, especially when you just throw, like not thrown into it because I chose to do it, <laughs> especially when it happens so suddenly. Like it, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but I'm I, like, I, obviously I've messed up along the way. I've, I've, I've I've said the wrong thing. <laughs> I've said the wrong thing. I I realized that I that I did that I something because of my experience. I was trying to instill that in her, and and I try to have those conversations of hey, I got upset because of this, and I'm sorry. Also, saying I'm sorry, apologizing is so big. Um, my 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 mom my mom used to apologize with food. She'd be like, here, I made you food. <laughs> But I try to be more vocal of like, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, so she understands that um, I care about her feelings a lot. And somewhere along the way, she's a little spoiled, but I'm working on that now. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like you're, doing, you're teaching her self-awareness because you're, you're um, modeling self-awareness to her by being able to acknowledge, hey, I made a mistake and this is why I think I did what I did. And, you know, I want to share that with you so that, so that she can understand where you're coming from. Just like you said, you're able to look back at what, and your mom was doing the best she could with what she had at that time. And so you're also, you know, trying to kids, kids, kids vision is just like here though. This is all they see. I'm sure (laughs) your sister's, you know, blinders have been taken off some due to the circumstances that they've been through. Um, but you're helping them to be able to recognize that early on by having those conversations with them. I think that's awesome. That we're not super powerful. I feel like, um, I, I feel like I was offended by many things my mom said to me because I thought she was perfect. 
I mm-hmm. put my mom in a perfect pedestal of like this is the most perfect human being in the world and I love her and she's everything to me and everything perfect but she was human and I wish I understood that more and now that she she's gone like I've thought about everything like she she was just a, a human being and she was a super powerful mom to me but that didn't that didn't mean that she couldn't make mistakes and <laughs> So that's why I try to explain to my sister as well. I'm like, I'm just a human. And there's days where I have bad days. I'm also sad. I'm also angry, just like you. <laughs> I feel like I'm still a teenager. <laughs> it's so weird because uh, she she's in high school. And I feel like I just love school. Like time is such a like, crazy concept. Uh-huh. I, I'm still trying to process all of that. Um, and... Oh yeah, I I I I forgot to mention. Um, for my senior year, I did go to prom. I was there for like ten minutes. Um, I was crying. I couldn't do music. I couldn't do music for so long. Um, <laughs> and I walked the stage, but my 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 ex took that moment from me, and he 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 got on the stage when they called my name to hug me, which. <laughs> oh man. That that's such a red flag that I how much I seen before. He just made it about himself, and it was a moment like it was so weird because we didn't even date for all of high school for him to do that. It was so crazy, and he ruined that moment for me. But I did watch the stage. I did graduate. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. <laughs> oh wow. Well, that's pretty amazing that you did after, like you said, you know, you had two months of going to court and everything that you were doing right after her death. So that's, that's pretty amazing that you did that. I can totally relate relate to when you were talking about the smell of the funeral home, because my mom's was my first two now, except for we didn't have a burial. It was just a, it was just a memorial service. I didn't see her being buried. And I, I agree with you that I think that that is such a, that the body going into the ground is just such a visual and, and such a like finality to that. But I can tell you, so I didn't have that with my mom. And for 20 years, I didn't know where she was buried. We went back and couldn't find her. And that was also really hard. So I oh didn't know. God. I mean, they told us where, you know, that she was in that cemetery where my grandparents lived, but we couldn't find her for a long, long time. So it wasn't until 20 years after her death 19 to 20 years after her death that we found her grave for the first time so can I I ask you how that saw yeah it was really it's it's you know she was cremated um and like I've I've done this long enough that like that I don't really think that she's there you know what I mean like she's I actually know that she's with me all the time but it was very um it was very emotional you know because they're the visual impact of it, of seeing her name there. And she had a stillborn, there was a stillborn daughter born after me and they're buried next to each other. Um, And yeah, and to see that was, um, you know, really, really powerful. And I share it in my my episode of the podcast. Um, My sister, when we went to Maine for this, Amy lived in Miami at the time. And so the whole time, all she kept saying was the whole time we were in Maine for like three days, she wanted to see snow. She wanted to see snow. She wanted to see snow. And the second time we went back to mom's grave, we, my sister, my dad and I each just took time to, you know, to go talk to mom alone 
And while my sister was over there, it started to snow. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was powerful. Um, but since then, you know, the, the funerals that I have gone to with the burial ceremony, I'm like, oh. the next one I went to was my husband's like great uncle. And it was, pro I mean, I lived here then. So it was like, you know, 20 years after my mom's death, I had to leave. I was I mean, like, I was, yes. Oh my God. God, I, 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 I'm laughing because I'm nervous. I, I've been to, my grandfather died last year and um, it was hard, but uh, it wasn't as hard as my mom. I don't know if that's okay to say. <laughs> um, it, I, I, it, I accepted it more because he, he, he was old and we all knew it was going to happen. And it was more of a happy funeral. Like we were all sharing memories instead of the tragedy funeral that I had with my mom where I just screaming the whole time. But <laughs> when we went to the burial, I, it was, it was, he was buried next to my mom and mm -mm, uh -huh. I couldn't do it. And then the year before uh, we lost a cousin in our family and that he was 19 and I wasn't close to him at all, uh, but I went to the funeral because my whole family was there and I feel like I was crying as much as his mom and it was just so triggering. It, I, it, I, I couldn't, I, it, my, my heart, like I, I remember everyone like hugging me and I'm like, no, don't hug me. I'm crying because I'm triggered. Like, please like go, go hug his mom. Please go hug his mom. This is, this is, it was in the same funeral home. It was in the same funeral home um yeah it was a lot <laughs> I can't and it just that smell that's mm -hmm. that's that I does smell like it just followed me I every like I feel like meats smell like the funeral home mm -hmm. or like my mom's body like my mom's body I was on it the whole day and I I would I wouldn't let go of her and I, because I was on her the whole day I that smell I just that's traumatized <laughs> I don't know I it's it's a lot to to see your whole life just 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 playing like that <laughs> i'm sorry i like i talk for so much <laughs> i yeah. talk so much <laughs> <laughs> no there's a whole thing i think uh, about senses and the memories that they're connected to and it's so true for me at least and it sounds like it is for you too um you know how just a certain sound or a certain smell can take you right back to a place even years and years ago um, but there's a woman that I follow that's writing a book about the five senses. And I'm like, oh yeah, I get that. I get that <laughs> completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I also, when you were talking about empower her, I was like, wait a minute, I had Dallas on the podcast and she is an empower her mentor. Oh, really? Um, yes, she is. And I think, I mean, I think she's in the tri-state area, which is, I feel like it was like Pennsylvania, New Jersey and maybe new york so mm -hmm. i don't think she has massachusetts but she is episode uh 37 of last year's season of season two yes so her name's dallas um but she shared all about empower her and i'm so glad that you are getting connected to agencies and things that are providing support and help for you and your sisters because that's another generational thing that i think too that there was a lot of pride where people 
but also things were different than like families all lived together and they were on farms and, you know, everybody cooked and cleaned and did things together. You had a, a much more built in support system. And then the next oh. generation, you know, was like the, the men did all the work and the woman stayed home and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But now it's becomes, I think, much more commonplace and not, and not, there's not such a big deal about finding help and getting help and saying, I need help. I mean, it took so long because directly after she died, my family refused to let me ask for help. We were extremely poor and I made a GoFundMe, I remember. And so my family was really against me making this GoFundMe. And <clears throat> so I, I made the GoFundMe like three months after, three not three months, three weeks after my mom died because I realized how expensive funerals are. This is when I started planning. Um, and because my mom died three weeks before that, it wasn't popular anymore. <laughs> I, I hate saying that, but if you don't make a GoFundMe, like right when it happens, you're probably not going to get money. In total, I got like a thousand dollars in three years. It was insane. Um, and because I, I let my family tell me for the three weeks prior to that, like, don't make a GoFundMe, don't make a GoFundMe. While we do that, that's disrespectful to our family. And it's, it's a lot of pride. It's a lot of pride and like you said, older generations. And I would have accepted that if they were gonna help me, but it, it took me three years to pay your gravestone. Little by little, I, I was I was paying that off and and that shouldn't have been <laughs> a thing, but it but that's that's, that's how they were. And mm-hmm. it's okay. And <laughs> I, I mean I, I wish I uh I could have I could have used that GoFundMe for many things like just transportation or feeding my sisters etc. But I learned mm-hmm. along the way to just and I, I mean just from that experience itself from the like the GoFundMe and they were like don't don't ask for help that's why they didn't ask for help for so long and mm-hmm. eventually like I told you I I. I realized like I, I couldn't do this on my own or put everything on on just one person or just my grandma or like I, I had to ask for help. I had to look for organizations and luckily I got connected to really wonderful. It's like empower. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Um and just the one thing that I want to encourage you to do too, like you've done so much um, self-awareness work that it's really it's you, you're doing a great job. But you did talk about, um, you know, the guilt that you felt about for wanting to leave her and for wanting to go off to college. Um, There's a lot of things that we tell ourselves in our grief story that as as time goes on and you can get further distance from it, that you can be more honest with yourself about your own feelings. Um, I did this when I, I had written a grief program when I first started Daughters Without Moms. And one of the stories so my sister and I left my mom to go live with my dad. My parents were divorced um, the year before she got sick and died. And one of my things was, well, if we hadn't left her, we, she would have been okay. She wouldn't have gotten sick and died, you know, because as a 13 year old, that's what you feel. You feel some sort of sense of responsibility to it, even though you have no, no effect. Yeah. You know, I had no ability to be able to affect the outcome of my mom's death just like it sounds like you did not have any you know you even if you would have not been across the country it probably would have still happened the way it happened you know 
But as a child at that time, that's this kind of stories we tell what we tell ourselves in our stories. So I just want to encourage you to keep, you know, you know, looking back on those things and keep using that word grace and, and um, to learn how to let that guilt replace that guilt with your grace. I, that that's one of the hardest things and um it's it's gotten better than before I still feel it like I'm not gonna lie to myself but I do still feel it um but I I do try to give myself grace regarding that specifically um and not think especially because the trial hasn't happened um I I want to get some answers to be able to continue to work on myself. I feel like the trial has dragged out for so long and it bothers me because I don't know anything. Um, I don't know anything, they haven't told me anything. I actually, uh, two months ago, I got her wallet back. Just two and months ago? I, her wallet and her sunglasses and um, it was a lot like me it was in a evidence bag and I'm like this is my life I'm getting evidence back regarding my mom and it was like opening up a whole I, don't, I, don't, I forgot what that's called but um I went through I went through it um I remember she had like two hundred dollars on it and I just gave it to my sisters I'm like here you got um what is it called this is my mom's money to you <laughs> <laughs> inheritance here's your yes, inheritance yes here's your inheritance this is it and then I we have me and my sister have really dark humor because we are really sad <laughs> I don't know how to explain it but we were like wow our inheritance like at least something we were laughing about it but it was it was a lot and I still have it in the evidence bag I have it in my room and I just don't know what to do with it I don't want I want to keep it forever obviously but it's it's the only thing I have of her. And I remember moving out of her house. I had to do that on my own for like, in like two days. Oh, um, and I grabbed, I just gave everything away. I told people to come over and just grab everything because I had to get rid of everything. I couldn't afford to grab a storage or anything. But I did grab like most of the things that smelled like her and I put it in a box. And, and I opened the box once a year and <laughs> smell it. And I'm hoping and praying to God that that doesn't lose its smell. I know I will eventually. I know I will. Um, but until then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you got a strong well, smell connection here. <laughs> you need to. Yeah. Do some, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, wow. Um, well, cling on to things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely connected to your sense of smell. Um, and who knows, you know, because, because, I mean, it, you know, that whole distinct that everybody has that, you know, your mom's smell, maybe it won't go away because maybe you can, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but, um, okay. So, you know, I usually end the podcast. I don't know if there's, you know, something, a final thing that you want to share or something that you want to say to the listeners before we wrap up today. And if you don't, it's not, yeah, if you don't, that's okay, but. Well, um, I feel like um, the biggest thing, which is also what I found by listening to your podcast, and the biggest thing that I found is that um, just because we're daughters without moms doesn't mean we're alone. There is so many of us, 
um, if you just found this podcast or if you've been listening to it, all of our stories are different, but we, all these feelings are valid and a lot of them are similar and we don't have our person to go to. And some of us have had rocky relationships with our moms and having to struggle through that is hard. <laughs> and you don't need to have, um, how do I say that? Uh, you're, you're a mom figure for you to do good in life. A lot of us find community within each other and, and have still been able to find love and compassion and everything will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the sadness and the grief and and the anger it, it's 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 okay I feel like I cling a lot to like my family and I cling a lot to to love and to whoever I love I just cling on to them and until they don't want me to love them anymore <laughs> and that's how I am with my friends and my relationship and everything in between because I um I found that I just want to enjoy the good things in life, even though life is really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is hard. Um, but I agree. I have a said, I would probably say love is my most important um, value also, because you never know what tomorrow will bring. So exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story. And uh, since your journey is going to continue, you know, with your two sisters and everything that's going on, come back sometime and give us an update and let us know how things are going with uh, Lady 2.0, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.